What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. This week I'm joined by my co-host Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 52, titled Heading into the Home Stretch. So, as always, we begin with the latest recruiting news. And, Caleb, uh, I, for the second time in a row on this show, we get to start with, um, we get to start with commitment news and fresh, uh, fresh off the press if we were in the 1970s and we were a newspaper. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're a pod, so I'm not really sure that's really that relevant. So, uh, Michael Boganowski chose Oklahoma. We kind of tipped everyone off last week that we thought that was happening. Uh, he chose OU over the hats he had available were K-State, Kansas, uh, OU, and FSU. I'm not sure how much FSU and Kansas were really involved in this, but uh, he chose OU. It was on the Rivals, uh, Rivals Weekly uh, pod uh, YouTube show, so that was some nice publicity for OU, nice publicity for Michael, and uh, he chose the Sooners, and it's an interesting addition for OU, especially in light of the Sooners' uh, early defensive improvements this year, and how he possibly, he how it's really kind of easy to see maybe where he fits best in a future OU defense. So, Kelly, we've talked about it off and on a little bit, so. I'm going to give you one more chance to kind of give us a little bit of a rundown of what you think of Michael. So, you know, I go probably deeper in terms of like his ranking and, and, and why I think it's probably not as high as it, as it could be, but how that doesn't matter because, uh, 
to me, the thing that gets overlooked with those things are is fit, right? Uh, but just as a pure prospect, I really, really like him. He's probably he might be he and Danny uh, Okoye may be the the two most physical players defensively in this class. When you watch, I mean, there's some stuff from his senior tape. Like maybe the first clip you see of Boganowski, uh, he's playing safety, really box safety, right? It's a sweep. Uh, he comes out and when he strikes the kid, I mean, and I know the kid's probably 5'10 and 165 pounds, right? There's a lot of receivers in college football these days that are 5'9 and 165 pounds. But when he strikes him, uh, I mean, he delivers a blow. I mean, he transfers a ton of energy. And that kid goes, you know, from two yards or a yard inbounds to three, four yards out of bounds in a quick hurry. I mean, it looks, it's violent. Uh, you know, so that sticks out to me. And then where I like him so much as a as a recruit in this Oklahoma class is his fit inside the scheme, right? Uh, I know Oklahoma's talked about him being a safety. You know, when I when I look at him, I immediately think cheetah. I think like he's six two ish, uh, hundred ninety five pounds, two hundred, and you see him in the you know the today when he announced, and he's a lean kid, but. He's really lean in the sense of like he carries no body fat because he's just a high cut guy. You know, it's pro- truthfully probably 10% body fat range. He's just, he's all muscle. So sometimes with kids like that, you won't see them gain 35 pounds, right? You won't see them gain 40 pounds. It's just maybe a little bit more. It can be a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's rare. You get someone that's six two uh and two hundred and forty pounds with ten percent body fat walking around, right? That's uh that's Mike Metzger nineteen eighty Olympia type stuff, you know? Uh or Mike Metzger. So it's just I, where I like him so much is again fit as a box downhill safety in this in what Brent does and in what Brent does you it kind of really requires the flexibility of of one of your safeties to be able to be that run support run fit get downhill play the flats you know play the tight end play the back out be that guy and that's exactly what he is so and again like that's where for me I look at him like okay a lot of these groups have him as a three star. I don't really care because, you know, you're putting together a roster and for what Oklahoma needs and wants, he's just an ideal fit for that role. Whether that is as a safety or whether that is as a guy that's a safety that then spins down into the cheetah spot and gives you a ton of flexibility as a third safety. He's he's just, I think, that guy. And the other part that, and again, we talk a little bit about this, right? We can watch the film and you can see that he's athletic, he's fluid, he is not stiff, he has a great big frame that can add add size, he's extremely violent, so he's he's really explosive in his hips. He's you know, he's all those things. But seeing how much uh Brent and the staff wanted him, how they stayed on him. They didn't turn and go after somebody else. They, It was like, hey, you are our number one target at this spot, and we're going to recruit our tails off to get you. Tells me, like, again, like, we don't know character. We don't know work ethic. We don't know, is he a guy that's all about ball? Is he highly intelligent, like, from a football IQ standpoint? Don't know those things. But I would venture to say he checks some of those boxes, gives him how badly Brent and Brandon Hall wanted him as a part of this class because it is, you know, it's a little bit surprising, I guess, uh, 
and you talked about it, a lot of people haven't pegged for Kansas State for a while. And Oklahoma never walked away. They never turned and said, nope, you know what? We're going to go throw our hat in here. We're going to go flip this kid. Or, you know, we really like this other kid out of the DFW, which there's some really good players. And Oklahoma said, no, this is this is the guy we want. So to me, that's not nothing. Yeah, I, I remember during the summer we were I, we were talking to some of our sources, our infamous uh, Mr. X type sources. And I was saying, well, you know, do, do we really, does OU really want Boganowski? He's not ranked that high. And uh, I immediately got kind of shot down like, no, 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 no. They, they, they think he's a top 100 type kid. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. All right. Um, that's not really, you know, kind of panning out, you know, rankings wise and maybe the program's interested in wise. So, you know, you, you, I always made sure to keep an eye on him and keep, keep looking at his film when it came out and all that, just because we were getting different opinions. And I'll be honest, 10 days ago, maybe actually now it's probably more like a beginning of October, I had this kid going up in K-State. I was like, OU is going to find another safety. They're just going to move on. And because this kid is deadlocked and K-State has a huge personal connection. His dad was coached by a K-State coach. So I was like, oh, OU's not breaking through that. And then all of a sudden, about a week ago, something just changed. And uh, I think this is sort of the first OU's playing real defense, defensive recruit, changing where they were, changing their view of Oklahoma and Oklahoma having something else to sell to a kid, right? That the relationships and everything OU's had has, you know, they've sold this kid all spring and summer on it, right? He visited OU a number of times. They sold him on every part of the program that, you know, sort of the infrastructure that, that Brent has built and the culture he's building and and the, you know, we're gonna be we're gonna be much better. We're gonna be improved. And it didn't break, didn't dead didn't break the tie with K State during the summer. But this fall, watching OU play defense, watching that this kid's almost a natural every down kind of cheetah and every matchup kind of cheetah, right? I mean, he goes, he's going to enroll early, so he could instantly be part of the depth chart there at cheetah, I think. Puts on 10, puts on good, you know, good 10 pounds, you know, when he first gets on a campus, you know, weight room, training table, all the things we're always talking about with Schmitty and what OU has. So I, I just think that he's, He's like a, a clear example of a kid who is like looking for an extra reason to go to OU. And then he just watches the, the Texas game or he's watched OU's defensive improvement, Caleb. And he's like, oh, well, that's the reason why I'm going to choose OU. That's, yeah. that's, that's the extra reason I needed. I just needed one last push and you just provided it. You guys are playing great defense. And I, and I, I see myself playing cheetah safety in your scheme and making plays all over the field. So. That's, that's that's what we that's what that's what I want and that's why I'm choosing OU. Yeah, no, that's I would say seeing his and we talked a little bit about this, right? Seeing his commitment and him saying uh, that he's had that line where he said, seeing how how they they being Oklahoma have done this year uh, on the field, it he he's kind of harped on that, and I think you know as Oklahoma fans, people that follow the program uh, and older, right. We're most of them were, were, were a little bit older. Like, you know, you, you have a different view of it. You're like, okay, well, you know, Oklahoma state or Oklahoma state rather Kansas state. Uh, yeah. They've got, 
a handful of games against Oklahoma uh, once they got climbing versus you know versus Lincoln. Uh, you know, but prior to that, Oklahoma was just beating their head into the dirt. I mean, just kicking their teeth out. I mean, there's some games in there Oklahoma's beating them, you know, 50 to nothing, 45 points. I mean, just just pounding them. I think the all-time series is, you know, like 22 and 70 or something. I mean, Oklahoma just absolutely owns Kansas State. But right. if you're a guy like Mo- Mike Boganowski, what you've seen is, uh, you know, when you really started to get a recruiting, recruited rather as a junior, right? You saw Oklahoma go six and seven. Your freshman and sophomore, you're, you know, one of those years you saw Kansas State beat Oklahoma, right? Uh, the big come from behind victory in Norman, the, you know, in 2020, the, the COVID year, right? Just a wild. And you saw 2019, as you probably, I guess, God, that kid maybe in the eighth grade, right? You saw Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma, go into Kansas State, get beat. So, you know, you're thinking, okay, is you don't he doesn't remember the Oklahoma that a lot of folks do, right? Uh, where just clearly have been the class of the Big Twelve for <laughs> twenty five years or twenty you know, whatever it is now, right? Seventeen or eighteen titles in twenty seven years. But it's what he's known is offense. So to see that get switched back over to, to what it was, you know, circa two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, two thousand nine. 2011 in that range, right? I, I think you're right. I think it was okay. This is completely, completely different. Uh, it's this is a team that's ideally fit for him, and I think it's true, right? If I was to pull back and just look at this from a, you know, if like I was Mike's dad, and you look at it and say, "Hey, you've got a ton of ability. Where's the best place for you?" Kansas State switched to three three five scheme. I, you know, he's. I think he's a, he would be a good fit as just like, like a kind of wild hybrid defender as one of like their third safeties, you know. But it's gonna be that's gonna be a more off the ball uh, in the flats role. What Brent will do with him, it'll he'll showcase a greater uh, array of his skills, in my opinion, because he just that, that's I think the track record speaks for itself for what Brent has done uh, with defenders like that. You know, comparatively to, I mean, what was the last uh, safety slash linebacker out of a three three five? It would have been the kid from uh, Tulsa, maybe. Uh, I can't, I can't think of his name. It was like a eight man or class one A school kid that went to Tulsa, was drafted by the Cardinals in the first round. Uh oh, the linebacker. That's right. Yeah, I can't remember. I can't pull his name. Can't pull his name right now. But he was like a quarterback, and he was quarterback in in, in high school, and, were, and nobody knew what he was. And he, yeah, and he Zav- was Zavin, Zavin yeah, Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah and so yeah. and just like that was the you just it's uh, that scheme's just it's a different scheme. You know, it's it's you think of like what what Iowa State does, uh, and you know, I think that Mike would do really good in that. Uh, it, it's just a more uh, maybe passive scheme comparatively to Brent being very aggressive. Yeah, so I think it's a and again, as you mentioned, I've mentioned this. This is someone oh you really wanted, like you know, like in the same degree they wanted Danny Okoye, or uh, they wanted Jaden Hardy, or they or they wanted uh, James Nesta. I mean, he was one of the, the the premium guys that came in in June for those big weekends. He was part of that group. 
I know you really wanted him. So this is this is a big addition. Don't let the the three star ranking at linebacker he has by a couple of services fool you. He's a he's a safety cheetah at OU, and he is a perfect fit for what OU wants to do. After recording our podcast on Thursday night, Friday saw kind of a flurry of Sooner recruiting news and activity that was uh, end which ended with the commitment, the surprising commitment by Tulsa Union cornerback Devin Jordan. Uh, as you can, as you know, on the podcast, we've been talking about Jordan lately and didn't really have much in the way of news or an update on Jordan. So his commitment took us a little bit by surprise, but he went ahead and pulled the trigger for OU. Just no prior announcement, just posted on Twitter and joins the Sooners and completes, I think he completes the cornerback group uh, for the class of 24. And I think this probably ends OU's recruiting of Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay area cornerback uh, Cameron Campbell. I don't believe he's coming in for a visit this weekend. OU has canceled that. And uh, with the verbal commitment of Devin Jordan, OU has uh, now got three cornerbacks in the class in Jeremiah Newcomb, Eli Bowen, and now Devin Jordan. So I think three, probably it's about the, the max that OU could go uh, in the class uh, at that position. That gives OU uh, 26 uh, commitments, and we're ex- still expecting some action uh, over the weekend from probably uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis or perhaps Grant Bricks. We're just waiting to see what happens. There's rumors and rumors and uh, updates out there that indicate that maybe a couple more verbals are, are on route. So those are the two names that I would expect. So just throwing this in as, a, as an update to our pod last night. Uh, we're waiting to to publish, so thought we'd add this in as a quick add-on just to notify uh, our listeners that Devin Jordan has committed to OU. We'll have more coverage on Devin Jordan's commitment and any other commitments that occur over the weekend uh, during the UCF game when we record our podcast next week. Thanks, everyone. Now, moving from one long, uh, aggressive athlete to another one who is someone who's kind of projectable, and and we see, again, a, a huge ceiling out there for him. So, Caleb... 2025 linebacker Marcus James from Oklahoma City, he's, he transferred to Carl Albert, has gone ahead and announced a commitment date of November 2nd. And Marcus is around 6'3", 6'4", about 2'10", 215 right now. And uh, we post, you posted in a, an image of him on our, on our message board. And the kid is just, I mean, he's, it's like, he's just like a prototype lean attacking defender. So OU's way out in front here. He's he's list, he's got a bunch of other schools listed, but I will be stunned if he does not pick the Sooners. So Caleb, what's your what's your quick view of Marcus James? I I think he's woefully underranked right now, and to me, he he screams like potential, like top one hundred elite looking kind of kid. Oh, I mean, t- to me, that's why yeah, I posted that that pick of him. Uh, you look at a guy like that, like if you're looking at it from a personnel standpoint, it's like, okay, uh, get, get that guy, you know, because he's got all these gifts and all these just natural traits and tools that you can't teach and you can't coach. Now you take those traits, which is 
amazing frame, fantastic length. He can, he's got really good athleticism. He can open and he can just flat run like a safety, but he's also quick, good laterally. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's not one of those things where like, Oh, you know, he's going to struggle to be able to turn and run if he's playing in certain schemes. No, he, he athletically, he fits the bill to be able to do really anything. Right. And with his length in that frame, you know, what he could potentially be as a, as a blitzer or as a, as a pass rusher, uh, you know, if again, you're, we're getting into more uh, like flexible, um, you know, positionless football, you know, what he could give you again as, as a you know, almost edge guy, potentially right at what's probably going to be a 6'4", 235, 240 in a lean cut up. He's, I mentioned that in the, in the thread, right? Probably going to be one of the first off the bus guys in two or three years once he's around Schmitty. He's got that type of body, uh, you know, but take all those traits and then throw it to Brett Venables and Ted Roof and Skowski and say, okay, coach up the fundamentals. And I'd be, you know, to me, I think you're getting, I mean, maybe a comparison is Danny Stutzman, but I think that if you lined it up, you'd say Marcus is a bit better athlete than Danny was. And Danny, I mean, Danny could now could absolutely run. Danny, uh, very athletic. He's long. He's tall. He's what six four, two forty. Can really yeah. run. I think. I think Marcus has got a little bit more, a little bit more pop, a little bit more suddenness in his hips. Maybe he's a little bit more violent. Got a little, a little more twitchier, little twitchier, little twitchier, little twitchier, a little more, uh, a little more something in his in his you know in his caboose to be able to bring it and jar back guys. But I mean, to me, that's that's like the ideal spot for him. Is you go and say, hey, we're going to bring you in. We're going to put you at Will Linebacker, and we're going to coach you up like crazy. And in two years, you're going to be 6'4", 235, 240, lean, and can run. We're going to put you out there, and you're going to go get it as a Will. And I think we've all you know seen it forever, right? Like the the Will Linebacker and in, in, in Brent's scheme is, you know, I mean, there's – what let's see here. There's a couple of Butkus and Bednarik awards in Norman, you know, from that spot, and uh, and kind of another one in in uh, Clemson uh, from that spot, really, because that's kind of what Isaiah Simmons won it for doing, right? So, yeah, I think it's just he's. I, I'm with you. Uh, I don't know where Better. he's ranked. Yeah, he's ranked. He's right now a three star. I think once he gets that's to silly. some camps, some camps, and some and his junior his junior year film starts getting out there a little bit. I think he'll move up because he's just, you know, he moved from, I want to say Bishop McGinnis to Carl Albert. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. He played a lot of tight end uh, at Bishop McGinnis and linebacker. And linebacker. Yeah. So he's just, I think he's, it's just more of a discovery thing. I think everyone's like, yeah, that guy's an unbelievable athlete. It's like, yeah, it's 2025. We'll we'll get to, we'll get to re-ranking him eventually. Um, so I, I think it would be a big addition and, you know, and a nice defensive player added to what is a great offensive start uh, for that recruiting class. Um, well, you, the got, other... you, got, you got Sperry and the linebackers. So you, now you add, now you add a head hunting future, future linebacker. And that's a, that's a, that's a nice, nice. And another in-state kid. Well, that's from Carl Albert. Yeah, it's, it's... It's, it's a nice start for, you know, a group of guys who are, just like Elijah Thomas and Sperry, I mean, Marcus James will probably be at every junior event, every home game, you know, just pitching and selling OU. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like, were you really 
like that or right gets me excited, you know, is, you know, how's that help Oklahoma with guys like CJ Nixon, his teammate, yep. Tristan Haynes, uh, you know, some of these guys, uh, just more in-state guys where you can start to lock those, those guys up, you know, sooner rather than later with that, you know, and you start getting a core and a nucleus of kids that have all known each other for that long. Does that help push a guy like Nate Roberts? Does that help also take a guy like Trené Washington, who maybe he's a tight end. I think he could play, Again, Cheetah, I think he could play that role. He plays corner at 6'4", 205 pounds for for Carl Albert. To me, you know, I know he, hey, I want to play tight end. It's like, you know, maybe. Or, or you know, go play, yeah. go play, go play Cheetah, go play Sam linebacker. But, you know, that's to me, that's big. Uh, Oklahoma able to lock down those caliber of in-state kids before the year rolls over. And, uh, you know, that gives them a massive nucleus of kids that can help them recruit the additional 2025 kids in the class, but it also lessens the burden on, you know, insert every single position coach where it's like, Hey, I've got, you know, I mean, if you're Emmett, uh, you've got everybody locked up, but everybody, you know, if you're, uh, if you're Chavis and you can, okay, well I've got CJ Nixon locked up. I can go, big game hunting and I can go hunt for these guys and I can really put a lot of my time and effort in, in, in you know, in these kids and, and I'm, you know, I'm not limited. I'm not, you know, thin on time. So it's, it's, it's big. Yeah. So I think, you know, we'll, we'll wait and obviously we'll wait and see. He's got a uh, November 2nd, what, two weeks away basically. So we'll wait and see, but we think that's going to be good, good news for OU. So, We've been tracking some players um, on this podcast on my on our website in my in my articles that you know that we've kind of been calling the the stalled three or the waiting three. So let's just give some updates on them. So first first update: Boganowski's off the board. He's a Sooner, so that's great news. Uh, next piece of news is also very promising. Grant Bricks has received since the last time we talked has received a bunch of. Forecasts, crystal balls, and predictions to OU. The general consensus in the in the internet world is that OU seems to have grabbed the lead, and if they can get Grant to finally commit and make a commitment decision, that everything's trending to OU, which has that that's got he's he's a top one hundred player that has big impact for OU's O line recruiting and recruiting in general, and just another win against a program they they you know. They shouldn't be losing to. Oh, you shouldn't be losing kids to Nebraska right now, unless you know their last name is Osborne and they're like you know related <laughs> to Tom. Um, you know, distance obviously helps Nebraska in this case, um, but it looks like OU's pushed ahead. And again, it looks like you know the again a kid's finally getting finally you know it's kind of tied, deadlocked, and and then someone I think maybe maybe it's a family member saying, well, which program is heading in the right direction? Uh, OU's in the college football playoff hunt, and Nebraska is is, is struggling, struggled to win five games this year. Well, they, they may only win more than five games because of how bad the Big Ten West is, and I don't think they play Penn State, Nebraska, uh, Ohio State, or Michigan this year. I don't think. I will say they, the the best thing. No, they for didn't play, They played Michigan. They played Michigan. They got completely housed by Michigan. It um, was it was bad. It was it yeah. was a game that it was. Uh, I want to say forty five to nothing maybe second quarter, early third quarter. And I mean, I think if you looked at the numbers, it was not 
Michigan doesn't, right? Michigan is not just lining up and spreading them out and trying no, to no, and no, trying no. to say, "Hey, you've got we've got a lot more speed than you." Which everybody that watched Nebraska play Oklahoma last year, you know that Nebraska is not really fast, but they're big, and uh, they did not do that. They lined it up and said, "Doesn't matter what we do, you can't stop us. We're going to just pound it down your throat, and then defensively, we are just going to suffocate you." I mean, it was, I was, uh, I watched some of the, I just clicked over to that game and saw the Michigan backup quarterback in with like 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. <laughs> and I was like, I feel pretty confident in this. So I was going to say, the best thing, one of the best things for Michigan, I'm sorry, for Michigan, for Nebraska, is uh, the Big Ten eliminating divisions. Because as bad as the Big Ten West is right now, uh, I think UCLA, Oregon, and Washington would probably walk in and go one, two, three in that division because of the skill talent, you know? Yeah, especially a quarterback, wide, you know, wide receiver, all of all of those things. So, you, so you're probably right. But it looks like OU has separated from Nebraska. And I know that a lot of fans, recruiting fans will be like, you know, well, shouldn't they? I'm like, well... You know, distance. Some distance sometimes is the great equalizer, right? You just you, you you can't undo distance. You can't recruit around distance. It just is. So it looks like OU's made a move there. Hopefully, we'll have some news there to be able to, to allow Caleb to be able to talk about Grant Bricks as a Sooner because his eval of Grant Bricks could be could could be slightly pornographic. So we may have to put a parental warning on it. Uh, let's hope we get to that. So the last news there on the last of the waiting three is Devin Jordan. And the news there is, I got no news for you. Nothing. I got nothing. I don't know if he's going to be on campus this weekend. If he's making a decision earlier, what's going on? There's nothing out of the Devin Jordan camp of note to indicate what's going on with him. So let's jump right into this weekend and this weekend's visitors and the, and the big news there. So we'll start with the, the biggest of the visitors. Uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis should be on campus. It's an unofficial visit. He's coming in from Tampa. Everybody has picked Eddie Pierre-Louis to choose OU. Um, We've been on that. We've been on, if you've been on our website, you know that we've been on this story since July when everybody else sort of ignored Eddie Pierre-Louis. We said, no, 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 OU wants him. He's a big time target. So uh, it's kind of stretched and dragged out a little bit. But he should be back on campus, and all signs are pointing towards Eddie Pierre-Louis choosing OU. And he is a absolute murderous beast at guard uh, that I think would be a real upgrade. Uh, I, I'm imagining in my mind Caden Green and, and Eddie Pierre-Louis at, as our twin guards of mauling people in the SEC, and it, and it works for me. So uh he's visiting and then Reggie Powers the safety from Ohio the Michigan state decommit we I've been talking about now he's supposedly coming in for an unofficial visit due to the whole noon kickoff the ongoing noon kickoff nightmare for OU recruiting uh seems to have affected that sooner scoop had that story first so all credit to them so Caleb I'm I'm not sure if that affects Cameron Campbell as well I've not got anything from him online. I haven't seen any interviews with him. So I think he's still coming in. But I wonder if OU is going to try and push him off for the West Virginia game uh, for uh, an official visit then the same weekend they want to bring back Reggie Powers. So we'll be tracking that story. But of those, I think that's three pretty big names there. And if if OU can lock down Eddie Pierre-Louis, uh, Caleb, uh, that alone I think would call it a good weekend. 
<laughs> yeah, that would be huge. Uh, I'm, yeah, Eddie Pierre Louis. It's probably that's one of the. It's got to be one of the more odd uh, recruiting rankings that we have yes. by all the it's- by all the services, which I think it just highlights that some services don't actually watch very much film. They don't really dig into it. They take a a look of like, okay, who's recruiting him really hard? And Eddie Pierre-Louis would be a bad one to go on that simply because it, for the longest time, and correct me if I'm wrong, it looked like it was just going to be a a kid that was going to want to stay closer to home. And it was like, well, you know, and probably end up at UCF. Uh, And UCF's got a couple couple guys on their roster, like freshmen and, and younger guys that are that. That was a defensive tackle uh, last year, not the one that signed with Oklahoma, not LeBlanc, but his teammate. It was ranked higher that chose UCF because just did not didn't want just want to stay close to home. Uh, but I mean, six three, six four, three thirty ish, a little bit like Lewis Carter in that his weight room numbers are, are pretty unbelievably good. Uh, that that program apparently is. They know they know how to get kids in the weight room, and and yeah, you watch him just move, and then you watch him run, and uh, it's one of those. It's interesting, right? He understands how good of an athlete he is, and he likes to showcase that. But where that pops is the effort. It's funny. Funny enough, there's so many clips of him where he, you know, running back will break one, and he realizes, oh wait, I can run with him, and I can get out, and I can go get that safety, and he does it just to do it. Right, he does it. So, but just to see that this just highlights a guy, an offensive lineman playing with with that amount of effort is is pretty rare. So he's uh he's should be ranked much higher by some services. So this is the weirdness in his ranking. So Caleb Rivals has him as the number twenty six player in the nation and the number two interior offensive lineman in the country, and then. Um, ESPN has him as the number 18 offensive guard in the country. 247 has him as the number 32 offensive guard in the country. And on three has him as the number 62 offensive guard in the country. If, if there are 61 offensive guards better than Eddie Pierre-Louis, I, I, I give up, Caleb. I, I give up watching film. Yeah, and that's what I say. It's, it's just those are byproducts of people not actually watching film. That is, those are byproducts of, and there's been stories about this forever, right? <laughs> and the guy that runs on three was always involved, or the, I say he, not him personally. The right. sites he owned were always highly involved in this. And so to think he launched a new site and he's not doing it even more is crazy. But the what he was to get to, the, the point of what he was always involved in were college coaches calling up and saying, Hey, I need this kid to be ranked here for the, in, you know, I need you to do us a solid, you do us a solid here and you can move this kid and do this kid and really push this kid up. I'll give you some info. And it was, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And that's one of the problems with when you get like a new site like that, that's launching, trying to make waves, trying to become popular. You know, it's one of the things they came out and they took a big shot at Rivals. Oh, we're going to completely devalue in our composite. Right. Anything, anything Rivals says I was like, well, why? They have a bunch of scouts. And they do a bunch of stuff. They've been around forever. They've been kind of the standard, right? It's like, well, why are you doing that? Because I don't like them. 
okay, so it's a business move. It's not actually about providing a service. It's not actually about doing anything correct. It's not about, you know, being, you know, giving the best data and analysis on this. It's a business decision. And that's, it's, it's weird. I don't really like, like, I, I don't know, I'm going to tangent here, but friggin' the leeches that attach to the kids and try to like just turn them into any revenue producing stream they possibly can. And like, that's what that, that's what this is. Uh, yeah. Because pop on the film, watch it and then, and then, and then line them up and say, okay, like how, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? What's your body composition, arm length, what's, you know, what's your 10 split? Give me all your measurables. So I can get an idea of like how those, how those scale and what that fits. Uh, you know, does it, and it's like, okay, well, you know, I think one of the only again, like I liked Casey Poe because of Casey Poe's size and his frame and some of the yeah. length, some of yeah. the length he gave yeah. you, right? But I was been pretty honest. Like to me, like you know, the thing that with Eddie is again his ability to move is unbelievably rare. Sixty-one guys. I mean, you tell me there's twelve guys, I'd be like, all right, sure. You tell me fifteen guys, okay, maybe we can disagree about some of these guys, sure, but. 61? Yeah. I mean, and we're talking Bill Biedenbaugh has this guy. We know, we, you know, we, again, another another case where we're like, well, maybe he's not really focused on Eddie Pierre. Maybe we're not. He's not. We, maybe we're missing something. We talked to our sources. Our sources are like, no, 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 no. Eddie's like number one on their board. Yeah. He's like and, the, and, and, and he's number one on their board. They desperately want this guy. And, and, and to harp that a, point, like, it, 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 and, and you should let everybody know, like, when we got that from sources, it was in the beginning of June when guys like Poe and all these other guys were were still open on the board in Oklahoma yeah. City recruiting. Like what we were told is, oh no, old boy from Florida is who they have number one on the board. It's like, oh, okay, they they really like him. Yeah, it's like, and we can talk back and forth about Bill's recruiting acumen and maybe some of his development acumen, but if. Bill Biedenbaugh thinks this kid is maybe the number one interior offensive lineman in the country. I'm willing to say he's at least a top 10 guy in the country. Bill's not that wrong about a player like this. I mean, his, and he's got the, he's got the skins on the wall to prove it. Right. I mean, he's got the draft picks. He's developed guys. Maybe we don't always like all the guys he signs. Maybe we want him to sign more, but he's not, usually this wrong on a recruit, right? I mean, that's not, you know, we've got to give Bill his props, at least in his eva- on the evaluation side of things, right? That he's not usually this wrong. So for him to be saying, yeah, I think this is this is a fantastic guy. But, you know, all right. that We've got to give a little weight to that. So, all right. So moving on 2020. So it's, you know, it's, it's, the, it's near, it's OU's last, uh, recruiting weekend that you can use for October. So we've got 2025 kids coming on campus. So speaking of offensive linemen, Caleb, it looks like if uh, Jaden Hardy is going to be on campus, Michael Fasusi is likely in the car with him. And that's a five-star offensive tackle from Louisville who was at the Texas OU game. Seemed to like that OU pulled off the win based upon some interviews we've been seeing on different podcasts. Then we have Isaiah Mosey. The wide receiver from Lee Summit North coming into town, he would be probably the number the fourth wide receiver in that class if he was to pull the trigger. Could he pull the trigger this weekend? I, I, it wouldn't shock me if that happened. I don't think it's going to happen, but it wouldn't shock me. 
then we've got Chase Lofton, uh, the tight end from Nebraska. Very talented kid, 6'5", 210. Needs to put on, you know, well, can fill out his frame, but very talented. Uh, would up be up there with um, Nate Roberts from Washington uh, High School that OU's really, really aggressively going for. And they're also still recruiting Dasan Brom, the big tight end from Kansas, who's, who's um, junior film looks really good. He looks huge in that, but looks really athletic. So, so Caleb, 2025, I think things are going to shake out on the roster that I think two tight ends would be a good move, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's I think it's important. Uh, you know, I probably had higher hopes for maybe some of the tight end development this year. Uh, you know, whether it was a guy like uh, Llewellyn that thought he's gotten healthy, and you just wanted to see him, right? Big, big kid from a really good program, uh, or if if Fanuel could could kind of come on as a big athlete that could really move, and hey, is he just does it kind of click for him? Because you start figuring out some of this blocking, or or just play really hard. And, and run into some folks, you know, uh, and some of the like mid zone stuff. Uh, but none of that's happened. It's effectively been a tiny bit of Blake Smith, particularly as the season's gone on and just Stogner. And, and that's been it. And, uh, you know, I think they're, they're both seniors, right? Is that right? I think Blake Smith's got another year. Stog another is, year. Okay. yeah, Stog's done. So they'd have Blake Smith back, but you know, I, I really do. When you look at, uh, like offensive potential, like where do you got to get better and and how much better could the offense be when you start to get great pieces at every spot? Like to me, tight end is is one of those spots where, you know, again, so much pressure gets put on a defense because of the wide splits and, and because of QB run game and he got an athletic guy that, you know, having some real guys at tight end when you can bring them in and then you can start to be more additive with, you know, formations and personnel groupings and some of the scheme stuff, man, I, I think, you know, tight end needs, uh, needs to continue that big overhaul. You know, you get Mitchell, but yeah, you've got to me like go get two really good guys because it, uh, you know, don't, I hate to be that way to, you know, any of the any of the tight ends behind Blake Smith and and behind Stogner because I know some guys have been banged up, some guys are walk ons, uh, you know, and it should be it'd be fair like Caden McIntyre, true freshman, broke his hand. Like I still think it, he's got a ton of upside, you know, but you got to have you know it's it's one of those deals, right? Not everybody's going to pan out. Give me, give me more deals and pour into the. Top. Give me more guys and pour into the top of that funnel, and uh, we'll let the process, you know, cultivate the the best players. So yeah, go get some, go get two. So uh, the last name I'll mention for twenty, I mean, there'll probably be a bunch of twenty five kids there. The usual in state verbal crowd will probably all be there. Sperry, Elijah Thomas, um, maybe, uh, and from from Texas, maybe Grayson Harris will drive up, and Jaden Nickens from OKC. The last name I'll mention since he's coming in and I've interviewed him is uh, Matai Tagawe, the safety linebacker from Vegas, who's since moved to California, should be in. And he's 6'4", 190. He can play safety in college, I believe. So he's back on campus, really seems to like OU, was good friends with Christian Thatcher when they were playing ball together in Vegas. So that's an interesting guy coming in. OU could jump back into that recruiting race. He's ranked about 150 range right now, but he's 
he has, I mean, he's 6'4", 190. Caleb, he has, he flies all over the field, super physical, would be a fan, you know, can play, can play in the box, but also can play coverage. He would be a, you know, if you, he also could play cheetah. So if you just start adding more and more athletes like that to this defense, it's kind of what I think that, you know, you, you add another guy like that potentially to the mix and it just, it all works, right? He's a, he's a good fit for what OU needs. So that's another name to watch. Uh, I kind of thought maybe OU, he was losing interest in OU. Obviously, USC is a, was a program he talked about quite a bit in our interview, but he also talked up OU. So I'm glad to see him getting back on campus and getting a chance to see Oklahoma and see the football program and see what real football is kind of uh, is really like. So, But there's one last name. So 2026, there'll be some 2026 players there and even some 2027 players. I know Caleb finds that horrifying. <laughs> but I've, I've forced him to watch film of a 2026 kid. And it's because Will Griffin from Tampa, uh, I believe it's Tampa Catholic. Uh, it's, sorry, Tampa. He's a Tampa Jesuit, not Tampa Catholic. Tampa Je- nice, nice, nice school. You see in this film, like when it pans and you see you see the actual no. school, you're like, oh wow, okay, they've got they got a little bit of money. The Jesuits got a little bit of got a little bit of coin. Well, I, I could go into a deep analysis of Catholic. Uh, uh, Catholic Church history. Uh, it's a very nice offend, school. <laughs> offend, offend everybody with the with the with a with an introduction about the Jesuits and who they were, but we'll ignore all of that and and just focus on the fact this kid is a high school sophomore. I sent Caleb his mid year sophomore film. It's like fifteen days old, and uh, the kid's six three two ten two fifteen. And Caleb, I was a little stunned by how good his film was. What well, what did you think of it? And he's he's uh, so the twenty six class has already got rankings, and he's the number five quarterback and like the number sixty player in the nation, which I think is even for me, I'm I'm struggling to really. Um, yeah, I don't really uh, care like what I, they say about yeah, oh, he's like, the number pretty, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to. to put a lot of weight to rankings for twenty six, but he has it nonetheless. Obviously, someone's. Some people have seen his film. Uh, so, so Yeah, the Caleb, same people you, that don't watch Eddie Pierre Louise's yeah, film. Somehow they're watching Tampa Catholic, but not Tampa Jesuit, but not Tampa Catholic. Okay, all right, whatever. So what what do you think of Will, Will Griffin? Um, I would, I, he has an offer, according to reports out there. So I don't know if he's the number one target for 2026, but he's definitely in the mix. And if you're Jeff Levy, you already have Sperry, so it's it's on a 26. So what do you think? I really liked this film. Uh, I, I mentioned to you, you know, again, like I hate watching like kids that are that far out because yeah, so yeah. much changes, right? It's, uh, you know, what was the the kid years ago that got offered as an eighth grader and it was a big deal and he ended up playing receiver at West Virginia. Remember this? He, I think he, Will, David Seals. Will, was it David Seals? Seals, that's David right, Seals. Yeah. yeah. It's a good example, right? It's like, oh, here's this amazing high, you know, junior high freshman kid that's going to be number one recruit in the world. And it was like, yeah, you fast forward like five years later, and he was a really good wide receiver, like had a good well, wide receiver. Stacy Gage, right? The running back um, from Florida who was from yeah. Hugo, Oklahoma, right? We were all over him as a sophomore, and he just didn't get any better. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think I mentioned, you know, the first thing when you watch him, like I came away being like, okay, like if that, if, if what I was watching was a senior, you would be okay. Like recruit him in this class, you know, assuming, you know, the, it's not any different than Zerbrug or, or, or Hawkins. 
You know, he's uh, big, athletic, can spray the field. Uh, I mean, it's and to see as he's a sophomore, you come away being like, okay, that's that's probably a top. If that if that scales, if that if he continues to just get better and better and better, which I assume he does, right? And you're probably looking at a, at a top 100 player in the country. I can't imagine there's a bunch of kids that are going to show up to any setting that are going to be in his have his physical tools and his tape and be able to do that. Uh, I know there will be some, right? But uh yeah, yeah. yeah. Again, like I watched this film and I was like, gosh, if they, if you told me that was a senior film, I would say like, well yeah, that's a that's a power five football player. Tell me it's a sophomore film. I'm like, okay, that's probably gonna be a top fifty player or top one hundred player in the country. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually watched his freshman film and I was like, what is freshman I'm like like this is pretty decent freshman film. He's obviously starting for these guys and they, you know, I I looked and I and I'm actually I was looking at his wide receiver core. I'm like, damn, he's got a great wide receiver core, man. There's some kids flying around doing taking, you know, giving him targets. And then I watched his sophomore film. I'm like, well, this is a lot better. Okay, you know, the antenna kind of goes up. I'm like, okay, he's spraying the ball more around the field. He's got more zip on his pass. He's got a little more velocity. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a kid to watch. So he'll be on campus and. You know, Jeff Lebby, you know, was was in the UCF is uh, right around Orlando. So it's not that far from it's not like the Tampa area under any stretch of any um, view of Florida geography, but it's not that far from Tampa. So uh, I imagine maybe Jeff Lebby and the OU coaches, the Clemson and the Clemson guys have good connections in Tampa. So this is a name to track and keep an eye on in the future. I'd imagine OU will bring him out for like summer camp next summer. And, you know, he if he's still throwing the ball around this like Kevin Sperry did last summer, then, you know, maybe OU will make a push for him and, and keep the QB pipeline going. If if, if nothing else, I, I have to give props to, to the to the Venables um Levy regime and keep recruiting quarterbacks, right? Every year, keep recruiting quarterbacks. Don't oh, sit yeah. on your law. Lo- don't sit on your laurels. Don't, hey, we got Kevin Sperry coming in. We can take a year off. Nope. Bring in Will Griffin after him, right? You know, and and in 2027, they've got um, <laughs> Thaddeus Thatcher and I think the younger Sperry kid to uh, might have to, might have a QB throw off to determine 27 recruiting. So, yes, guys, we have basically mapped out the next four years of OU quarterback recruiting uh, in the last five minutes. So. Silly as it is, it's not as silly as what I'm calling the silly season. So the silly season is decommits, it's coaches are getting fired. How are we pillaging this recruiting class? Or coach is not getting fired, but is on the hot seat. Or, you know, rumors of X, rumors of five-star player flipping and going here. It's just, we're, it's already started. We've got we already had some action in October. November is going to be full of it. But it looks, Caleb, like the first break in silly season is A&M just lost a big-time wide receiver target. They just lost Draylon Miller, who looks like he's flipping to LSU. So the heat around Jimbo's getting, I, I think, was on like a, a low saute about three weeks ago. And, and now it's probably at medium-high. Uh, and if they drop a, and if they continue losing ball games, and I think, I think seven and five is a is a very realistic end 
end result for them. He's still got Tennessee and Ole Miss to play. Uh, and I think he has a I think he has a crossover game that could be dangerous as well. So the tension around AM looks like it's it's building up. More and more rumors of big money guys having our the payout's gonna happen. We're gonna make that payout. So <laughs> um so that looks like it's that's cold, that's bubbling to a cauldron. Then we've got Ryan Wingo um is announcing in about a week, and everybody says he's gonna Missouri. Even the Texas guys are. When whenever a Texas homer says Texas isn't getting a, isn't getting a kid, you should pay a lot of attention to that because they they never think that. If they oh, say, right. What was the right? Texas guy that was a preseason? I mean, it was talking about yeah, Peyton Bowen gonna be transferring to Texas. He ain't gonna be sticking in, in, in Norman Long. I tell you that, and got a big grin on his face. And what Eli a Bowen, Eli, douche! And Eli, Eli Bowen's going to Texas. Well, none That's of right. those things are none of those things are happening. Yeah. Um, and they think they're getting everybody, and you know, and they've got a good recruiting class. They've got a they've done well, and they always do well. I mean, it's weird that some of it's outside of Texas, but okay, good for them. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm not bagging on Texas recruiting. They're, they're, they're class. They're doing perfectly. great. They're doing a good job. They're doing a good job. They've got some good offensive linemen. They got Colin Simmons, who's not a fit for OU, by the way. Speaking of fits, yeah, I, th- I think he, I do. I think he's a better he's a better fit in that as in a, game. as an edge in guy sp- in case scheme. Yeah. yeah, in case game, not a good, not as not quite as the same fit for OU. So they're doing well, but they're not getting Ryan Wingo. It looks like Ryan Wingo is going to choose Missouri to, I guess, play with Luther Burden for one year and form a form a five-star wide receiver power combo for the Missouri Tigers. So, so Caleb, if what do you, what do you make of all this nonsense? And, um, and it seems to me the, the, the most amusing one for Sooner fans to obviously watch is the A&M breakup, right? Oh, it's the, gotta be, you know, be, was it we, the we spring love, with yeah, Matt, yeah. right? We did the, yeah, Hey, yeah, what yeah. are the, the couple of programs that if you could, I don't know, wipe them off or, you know, whatever. Who would <laughs> that it be? Was my, like, that was my, that was my, you have control of a, you seize control of a, an American ICBM, you know, uh, submarine. Who, who are you taking out first before, before they stop you? And of course I chose Ohio State. Um, I think Matt chose A&M um, or LSU. I think, I think it was A&M or LSU, but yeah, I said you couldn't, I think I said you couldn't choose Texas. I think I said, I made that comment. You can't choose Texas. Right. So, um, but it looks so, yeah. So, so Caleb, you're you're sort of nearest that region. How amusing is the the A and M cauldron right now? I mean, it's it's everything you would want. I mean, and I mean that in the sense of like, uh, it's even like tossing in a little bit of hint of of the great American television show Dallas, right? <laughs> because you do you have like these big money boosters. That majority of them, like you know, well, I say majority of them, kind of fall. In, some of them fall into two buckets here. Some of them just super lucky that they majored in engineering or geology at the right time at the right university, and and then you know, uh, unconventional show uh, occurred. And the other ones, you get some that just like granddad was a goat farmer in West Texas, couldn't raise three goats on a hundred acres, but they found you know, a uh, <laughs> hundred billion dollars of stack pay underneath his hundred acres. So. He was set. And it's just these guys that are, again, it's like like this TV show Dallas, right? It's like, well, I got the money and I'll do whatever I want. I, my checkbook is pretty deep. And we don't care if it's $77 million we have to pay this guy. I mean, and this is – in, in, in didn't Texas A&M, when they hired him away 
after he had, it's odd. It's not odd. It's funny. Done a little bit similar to what Riley did at Oklahoma, where, you know, we look back now and you see, okay, 47, 48 kids transfer out, 44 of them land at junior college, division two, one double A, group five, and only five of them, whatever it is, go power five, right? We looked at like Florida State team and it was like, they were really terrible from like a, he just couldn't recruit a line of scrimmage. You know, or, 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 or quarterbacks. He couldn't develop a quarterback after, yeah. after James. Yeah. It's like, he's, everyone's like, oh, he's such a QB whisper. I'm like, I think I understand that term differently than the way you're using it. <laughs> uh, Princess Bride. I do not think that word means what you're thinking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher, QB whisperer. Um, yeah. I, I, if you want to say Lincoln Riley, QB whisperer, I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I don't like the guy, but sure, all right. But Jimbo Fisher <laughs> doesn't seem to be working for me, but go ahead. But yeah, it's just it's just perfect, right? Where I mean, they made what I think was a terrible decision. Like it was very much they were looking in the past, of like oh, Jimbo caught fire in 2014 or whatever it was, right? I know we know that he could he his everything fell apart. He couldn't recruit line of scrimmage. He couldn't develop quarterbacks. But you know what? We don't care. We're going to go out and we're going to offer. We're going to give him a hundred million dollars to come to Texas A and M, and we're going to declare here's a national championship trophy with no date on it because we know you are going to win us one, right? And so then to be in this place now where it's like all these same big money donors are mad reminds me that it reminds me of the old story at uh, uh, at Texas with. Which God, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this, but who? What's the field named? Who's the field named after? Oh, Joe Joe uh, Joe Jamel. So Joe, Joe Jamel, Jamel was a part the of like time, the big time lawyer, lawyer massive the, attorney. Took yeah. I mean a ballsiest case in like the history of right of of law in, this, in some sense, right? Where he he takes like on a billion dollar case and, and he says, hey, okay, I'll I'll do it. No cost effectively, but I get I'm gonna split revenue if I win this case and made himself a billion billion dollars or something, right? And it's funny. It was he they named the field after Joe Jamel. It was when Texas, the game they played UCLA at home, they get beat something like sixty six to three. And the funny story was he comes running down into the AD suite at halftime and says, How much I gotta pay you sons of bitches to take my name off the field? Right. So you get a little bit of that here with Texas A and M. So I mean it's it's just perfect. Right where uh, A and M, and it always it bothers me a little bit in the sense of like I don't know where it comes from. This notion that Texas A and M forever has been considered the sleeping giant. Josh Pate, who I really like, you know, this week on his podcast yeah, or on yeah, his show, yeah, I heard him. he I talked heard him. about yeah. it right, and he was like, you know, I'm telling you, Texas A and M, you walk in, it's turnkey, everything they want. Coaches view this as a great school and a great opportunity, and they probably do, but it's always, you know, what's hiding beneath under the covers, what's hiding under the bed, what's in that closet, because you can tell me it has everything in the world. But when I pull back and I look at what that program has been for 80 years, it's average. So what is it like? Why you can't tell me that every coach they ever hired was just average? They, you can't tell me that they were never able to catch. You know, uh, I mean, Oklahoma State dang near played for a national championship under Mike Gundy. So you, you know, you can't tell me uh, that it's there's not a deeper issue, and I don't know what it is. And maybe it I mean, is. They're not even. They're 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 not even. They have an upset win against K State in the. Was it ninety six? First Big Twelve title? No, it was ninety. It was it was like ninety eight. Ninety eight. Yeah, the, because beat, beat, Brent, the Michael, beat the Michael Bishop team, right? Because Brent and, and Mike were the DCs on that team, 
They got yeah. beat, and they were in Oklahoma the next next year in '99. Yeah. So, so you've got they've got that that season, um, and then Bob, you know, Bob Stoop shows up in in Norman and, and obliterates A and M for the next eleven years, basically. Right? I mean, their their loss margin in Norman was. Well, it's perfect. Uh, average, it's, average forty. It's like a thirty-five point margin of well, victory for OU I mean, in Norman. This so, I is mean, the this is the thing, right? It shows. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, someone at the same point had won two more games than what uh, than what Jimbo has won. And since Texas A and M made the move to the SEC, they have put in. I think the number was like eight hundred, just shy of nine hundred million dollars into their football program. I mean, they completely tore down the stadium, rebuilt it. It's indoor facilities. It's you know, it's locker rooms. It's everything anybody could ever imagine. They put a billion dollars into their program in the last fifteen years, and they're the same program in the SEC as they were in the Big Twelve. You know, they're third, fourth in their division every year. You know, third on the on the good years, but they're like fourth in their division. And so, I I don't know. I will say this, like I'm a, I'm a firm believer in it. You just look at it, right? Like, uh, like hardship is, I think, what cultivates greatness. Not, not like having everything. And as Oklahoma fans, you've always looked at Texas and been like, well, you're soft. You have a country club mentality. You're told you're the best at all times. You guys go five and seven and you're like, in the in the offseason, you're screaming you're going to be a national champion. Like you never actually just absorb it and grind. Like you just go, oh, we're the best, we're the greatest, we got the most money. And I think Texas A&M is that. It's just maybe as Oklahoma fans, we're so focused on Texas that they're just a smaller version of it, right? I think maybe that's what's holding them back is they have this same deep-rooted cultural issue that the University of Texas does, and it's so deep you're never going to get rid of it. You know, uh, it, a good example, like take Michael Boganowski and like, let's, who knows if he's going to be a really good player, right? But he chose Oklahoma because it was, I want to win championships and this place is going to push me. I was going to go another place. Texas A&M and Texas has always been these universities where they could be terrible. And, and, and these highly ranked top players in Texas sign up and go there. And so you're, you're left pulling back going like, well, like, do you want to get, do you want to play for championships? Like, do you want to like actually play on really good teams? Do you want to compete? Do you want to be great? Right. Like, do you want to be dropped in the fire? Like, do you want to be great? It was like, if you're choosing that school in the certain circumstances, they are, I don't know that you do. Like, maybe that's a character red flag right there that tells me like, oh, you're not actually wired the right way. Like you look like a million bucks, but you're not wired correctly. Uh, and this other kid over here, who's maybe not as physically talented as you, I know when I lock you two in a phone booth, I know who's coming out. That other kid, you know, uh, you're going to get out. You're going to talk. You're going to be like, you know, what's his name? The DB from Abilene. You're going to get out after you get beat by Oklahoma. And you're going to be like, oh, we got more money in you guys though. And it's like, what does the endowment of the University of Texas that you have nothing to do with? How does that <laughs> have anything to do with what just happened in Dallas? But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fantastic in a lot of ways seeing what's occurring in, in College Station. Because the other part is, man, after they went to the SEC, they became that much more arrogant. And they're like, so you're this average program, but they would turn and be like, yeah, but we're average in the SEC. You would be below average in the SEC. It's like, oh, yeah, because we were kicking your teeth in. And they're like, how's that work? It's mm-hmm. like, because it does work. Because they had deniability, right? They didn't have to face you. Well, now, now they're about to be locked in the back in the cage with with Oklahoma that looks like it's on the rise. 
Yeah, it's 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 a it's a it is a it was if if it does implode completely, it is it is a buffet of portal uh, tampering <laughs> on 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 track. I mean, when you look at the the talent on that roster that's just underperforming, it's like okay, it could be it, it could it could be it, it could be the the old time smorgasbord of portal rumors for a good 30 days. So well, here you go, Chris, well, they're, they're four and three right now. Yep. They haven't, they have an off week this week and they get uh, South Carolina at home. They are at Ole Miss. They get Mississippi state at home. And then they get the lovely Abilene Christian used to be division two, uh, <laughs> still Cup, a couple Cup, years SEC ago. SEC Cupcake, Cupcake yeah. Week. They get them at home, uh, in November and then they go at LSU. Right. I mean, you could convince if they, me. If they, if, they, if they drop either Mississippi, they don't beat Mississippi State. Mississippi State's pretty bad this year. But if the Beamers, if the if Beamer can stop breaking his foot um, in anger and get his team focused, if they if if A&M drops that South Carolina game, they're going 6-6 six and six and maybe not going bowling. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. To me, that feels like that's the swing game. If they yeah, come out. They'll I'll, beat Mississippi I'll, State. They'll beat Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I will say I will give them credit in the sense of I think uh I thought they they fought last year late in the year in some games that yeah. I didn't think that they would. So if you told me that, you know, they they end up I mean eight and four, they lose to Ole Miss and they or they lose to I mean LSU. I, LSU. Uh, maybe they, yeah, maybe they lose those two games and they end up seven and five. Uh, but I think that's they should end up seven and five. But again, that's a team that people were projecting ten and two, nine and three preseason, and were saying they, you know, they they could make a run in the SEC West. It's like okay, all well, right, um, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a team that signed the greatest recruiting class in the history of recruiting classes, according to like paper and all of the yeah, metrics. Yeah. Just yeah. two years, just two years ago, that class awesome. is sophomores, right? loaded and it wasn't like it was loaded all across everywhere right i mean it was like right. wide receivers running backs tight ends o-line d-line quarterback it was yeah i mean they've got five-star receivers five-star running back five-star tight end a bunch of you know five they got five stars in the offensive line got them on all like the whole defensive line yeah it was you know it's just uh five-star dbs it was just it was loaded so all right Caleb, so let's change pace a little bit so Right now, we've talked, and I've and I've basically projected OU to get three more. We've got Boganowski, and I'm projecting, you know, at least two more verbals and Eddie Pierre Louis and um, Grant Bricks. We think those are going to go OU's way right now. That's where everything's trending. That would put OU at about 28 scholarship players, which in most years would be OU maxed out, but with no limits, OU's probably got a little more flexibility there, but. Overall, the class is basically on the home stretch, save for a piece or two. So, presume those two guys are added at the, on the offensive line. So, uh, Bill will have, in October would have, would have added three players: Daniel Ekin, Kimmy, Eddie Pierre Louis, and Grant Bricks. Let's just presume that we know it's a big if; it hasn't happened yet. We know, we know, we know. But let's just let's just project out. Uh, we're allowed to do that on this podcast. So, what would be your favorite player group? of that 28 player class? That's a really good question. Uh, it's kind of, I think maybe the obvious one is, is defensive line. Uh, I think defensive line 
or wide receiver because you know that that grouping at wide receiver is is i think it just brings a lot of what the team needs and wants and oklahoma has done and i think it's pretty obvious right a fantastic job of like like they went from being not not fast last year at wide receiver to so much faster this year at wide receiver and then if you were to add that class i really do i think zion kearney is going to play a ton as a true freshman. I think he could start potentially as a true freshman. I just think he's that good and he's that far along physically and he's he's just really good. Uh, what were you going to say? Uh, I said, unlike Petaway, who didn't enroll early, uh, everything I've read indicates Zion will be on campus in January. Yeah. And man, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a terrible, terrible, terrible break that Andrell Anthony you know, Taurus ACL. Although, as as, as, as BV said, it, it you know he did mention like, hey, not a lot of swellings. Maybe it was a partial tear. Maybe it was in a full tear, and maybe it'll be a quick recovery. Uh, he'll he'll miss spring. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, Zion. I, I just think uh, the world of him. But I think it's got you've got to go with the defensive line to me, right? I mean, uh, I know he's not, and like I, I pound this drum all the time. I know Danny Okoye is not ranked as a five star. He's actually only a, only just recently got a four star status, I think, with two four seven. But that's I think it's just uh, them not paying attention or not digging in or just bad uh, because y- you watch that kid and he's six four two forty five and he is so twitched up. I mean, he's I think he walks in and plays year one got the potential to be one of your better pass rushers year one. Same thing, David Stone. I think he walks in, he's rotational, maybe one of your better defensive tackles, you know, year one. I think Jaden Jackson, really far along physically. If he told me, hey, he comes in and he, you know, is pushing for time at nose guard. Yep. Uh, I, you know, so I, I've got to go defensive line. You know, Wyatt Gilmore, I know, you know, Barry and I disagree a little bit on him, you know, but he's one of those guys that would be in the conversation for some of the, one of the most physical guys in the class. When you watch his senior film, he looks like a man among boys, just throwing people around. Uh, and he's just, uh, you know, again, like he, he's a really good, intelligent football player. I think you plug into a scheme and he just goes and plays, you know, and I'm going to, what I'm going to say is, you know, Hey, Caleb, look in the mirror. Uh, talking about Danny being as twitchy is and such a good pass rusher. We all fall in love with that. Uh, I think sometimes we overlook like just being a complete every down guy, you know, and I look at Wyatt Gilmore and, uh, you know, a guy like, you know, uh, I want to say he's, you know, I think, I think he's a higher ceiling than what Ethan Downs has. Right. And you see what Ethan's becoming. And I think Wyatt's a having, you know, not played, and it sounds mean, and I've talked about this a lot, you know, where where Ethan got stuck in Grinch's scheme year one. And again, it's it's just the reality where it's like, hey, we're, it's not teaching a lot of block recognition and, and hands and feet and eyes. It's just, hey, run into this gap and get upfield. Uh, it was going to always take him a little bit longer, especially coming from small school, Western Oklahoma, to really get taught the fundamentals and for all that to start clicking. And it does look like you watch the Texas game, like it's clicking. Maybe it's, hey, the game's slowing down and he's figuring it out. I think Wyatt's further along. Uh, and then, you know, Nigel Smith. And, like, and, and won't get and won't be – they won't put bad weight on him and have to drop, you know, that 
I think Downs, we agree, was like too big last year, right? Yeah, I think Downs is that guy that he just spent the entire offseason in the weight room, got a little bit too big. And, uh, you know. And it didn't help him. It didn't help him because he was already, he needed, he whatever, whatever break, whatever, whatever didn't work right, they, they fixed it this offseason, right? In terms of his. Well, I do his, think some of that is also just like the processing. You know, it's yeah. just like, hey, yeah. uh, I'm in a new scheme and I'm being taught like how to really play defensive end uh, kind of in a traditional sense. And I'm having to process information yeah. on the fly yeah. and like, okay, it makes makes your feet look pretty slow <laughs> at times, right? You're like, yeah. I'm not yeah. real sure what I'm doing here or what I'm supposed yeah. to be doing or what I'm seeing. And I think, uh, you know, it, that's, that's starting to click over. But, you know, why it's not going to have that? And then like Nigel Smith is like this – we just almost forget about it. it's like oh hey here's here's a top 100 guy that could you know could be a just a monster three tech you know or a strong side defensive end so uh yeah that defensive line class and it may not be done but you know right now it would definitely be you're getting ready to transition into the sec who knows how good that conference really is we could have that conversation right but uh you want to get better on the line of scrimmage and and you've gone out and you, you signed a class with a couple of, you know, uh, three players probably that are in the top 100 or in the top 120 in Danny Okoye and Nigel Smith and, and David Stone. That's, that's kind of what, kind of what you'd want to do. It's uh it's when a uh, coincidence and Providence sort of, you know, we can talk about all that, but it's, it's, it's a very nice coincidence that it's a great D line class in region. I know you needed, a big D line class. Yeah. Um, so Caleb, that's, that seems to be the the favorite group and, and, you know, wide receiver. And if the O-line group finishes, as we talk about, I think they're both in the competition, but I agree. D-line, D-line group is obviously, I think maybe the, the, you know, they, they got the glitz and they, they got the glitz with David Stone, but what's the player group you wish was larger or modified and what realistic name would you add to that group? Oh gosh, what realistic name would I add? <laughs> which player group? Which player group are you like? Okay, I want one more guy in there, and realistically, I'd like him. So, where would you go? You know, I, I would honestly, I, I would say safety. Uh, safety would be the one group where I would say, love so to have putting, it. So you're saying Bogo's? A, we think Bogo Boganowski's a, a cheater. I do. So, I just think ultimately that's where he ends up. Okay, so yeah, so I, so we're talking or, just Jake Hardy and just Michael Patterson McDonald are our true safeties in the class. Then, yeah, yeah, and, and again, like just thinking in you know in this in this version of it, uh, and not even that. If we're saying, uh, you know, if, if we're saying that. Mike Boganowski is a, is a safety, right? In, in this class. Well, if we add another guy, like who I would want to add would be Xavier Filsami, right? Out of, out of McKinney. If you added him to the class and paired him next to Jaden Hardy, right? Then you could say, okay, like I now I definitely, I still want to get, you know, Mike Boganowski on the field, and he's such a good fit for you know Cheetah, for Sam, for that third line, for that third safety role, right? I think that gives you the flexibility you'd want with with Boganowski. So that's where I think it's like, okay, we can get 
bigger, we can get more athletic, we can get rangier with a guy like Fosami. And then we also gives us flexibility with a guy like Boganowski. I think it would be kind of a home run in that regard. And Fosami apparently is having, you know, you read whether it's 247 or Rivals, they, when they've gone to games of McKinney, everybody just raves about the guy. They all say, okay, here's, here's a five-star safety. Here's a true stud. Uh, you know, hate that he's gone to Florida. Yeah, waste away in Florida under Napier. They won't be. They won't be that good. They're not going to be that good. Well, I mean, so that's a. I don't know. You, I would wonder. I would say like that's one of the things that we'll probably get into this like on a later pod, right? And we talked a little bit about it with Jimbo. There's going to be some coaching turnover. Like there just is going to be coaching turnover, right? So what's that look like? And may I? I don't know. I'd love to get our source maybe this week and see how hard. Is Oklahoma still pushing for uh, Phil Sami? You know, because next weekend Florida goes, you know, goes to they go to Jacksonville and they play Georgia. That's a loss. They'll fall to five and three, and they got Arkansas, LSU, Missouri, and Florida State. Right? They're going to be at minimum a four loss team, and there's truthfully. For Florida, there is not well, a game be, left. They could be six and six. I mean, it's not like they got a cupcake. They have no. Well, they cup- could be five and seven on that, right? I mean, Arkansas yeah, could beat easy. them. Arkansas could easily beat them, and so can Missouri. And you know, they could sit there at five and seven. And if they go five and seven off after the year they had last year, do you see some guys go? All right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, bolt. I'm gonna bounce. Uh, you know, I, that's where I'd say I'd love to know how if Oklahoma's still pushing for Filsami. Okay, well, that's a that's a very interesting answer. I think I would go with either the running back positions kind of weirded me out a little bit this this fall, so maybe I maybe I say give Caden Caden Durham a call just to make sure you've 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 got that position as loaded as possible. Yeah, um, tight end also bugs me too, but I'm not sure the guy I'd, I'd I'd like to flip would be Cooper Alexander, but I think that ship has kind of sailed. So I don't have an obvious second name there. No one's leaping. Uh, no one's leaping to mind there. So that's probably where I would be. Probably, um, probably be like just load up at running back. Give me Taylor Tatum and Caden Durham just in case everybody else is just not clicking. Uh, so you've got even more competition at running back. So Andy Bass, Andy Bass. Well, I keep forgetting. Andy, maybe Andy Bass is is the answer there, and I just I don't need another running back. So let me say let me say tight end. Try and flip Cooper Alexander. Pull every OU legacy heartstring you can possibly pull to to get him on campus. And I'm I'm just the Helms Llewellyn thing just has me has me antsy that like both of those guys are are fast tracking to medical hardship scholarships. I'm like, yeah. okay. Yeah. I don't um, yeah, the Helms thing, you know. Llewellyn, Llewellyn is weird because you've seen practice videos and clips of, of him working, uh, and it seems like he's been healthy for a little while. But if he is, man, he seems like he's pretty far down on the depth chart, and you wouldn't have expected that. You know, Alito's a yeah. top program, and he's a, a big kid that's, you know, he was a really well, big he kid. Looked, he looked good last spring. I'm like, yeah. all right, so that's the that's the 28 player composition. What we might tweak that a little bit, so. So, Caleb, uh, for those that are on our website and my Five Thoughts article, I've, I've run some math on where the class likely falls with the most likely additions. And barring some huge flip or some massive ranking change, composite-wise, 
the two sites that have the composite scores are on three and two four seven. So right now, Caleb OU is trending around seven or eight in terms of where I think the class would end up on signing day on the signing day shows. So last year, OU was able to grab a top five class. Do you think OU fans should be disappointed in this class, or are we, are we kind of ignoring the forest for the trees here? Mm. No. So if OU, if OU has, a, let's say OU on on three, it's very possible OU has maybe the tenth class in the country. Yeah. Should OU fans be disappointed in that? I think so little of on three. I would definitely go with like two four seven. All right. <laughs> so, two, four, so they're seventh, all right. right? So they're seventh. They're trending to around seventh or eighth. I took the, the numbers over the last five years where I think OU's class will end. Uh, number wise, let's just say they end up with the number eight class in the nation on two four seven. Yeah, you think OU fans should be disappointed, or is it just guys? This is just what Clemson did, and don't pay it any attention. Yeah, I'd say so. I would add, I'll add like a piece of of data for that. So if they finished in that seventh or eighth spot, the way things stack right now, it would also give them. Let's see, that would give them the fifth best class in the SEC. Right, so Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Texas A and M, all ranked in front of them. I wouldn't be. I'm not concerned at all because one, again, like I would, and I have this conversation with any of them. Right, I think a lot of the rankings are completely junk, and let's let's but let's pretend that they average out. Like, right, let's pretend that for every Eddie Pierre Louise that the the services. Don't even pay attention to, don't watch, but they're taking phone calls from the Auburn offensive line coach and they're pushing up those the kids that are going there, you know, really high. Let's pretend for every one of those, you know, there is a, a Zion Kearney that let's say, you know, he should be four spots lower, which I, that's not true. I'm just giving it as example. So let's say it averages and it evens out, right? It's still to me, it, I dig in and say, okay, but what about fit? Like, what is the fit inside the scheme for these players? Like, Boganowski is a really good example of that. For a lot of teams, they look at it and go, ugh, he's kind of a tweener. He's a little bit of a safety. He's a little bit of a linebacker. Not real sure how he's going to fit there. Uh, you know, what's he excel at? He doesn't excel here. I was like, okay, well, for what Brent does in that Sam backer, that cheetah role, like, that's completely ideal. Right, whether it was uh, Roy Williams or Lewis Baker, Keenan Clayton, or you know, insert any you know, uh, Jaron Curse before it was Isaiah Simmons at Clemson. Yeah, there's just a plethora. Like it's just all of them, right? And every one of those guys I mentioned playing in the NFL or is playing or has you know, Curse thing starts for the Cowboys, right? And so, so I'm not, I don't really care. I, I think from a fit perspective. It's it's ideal, and it's it's a little bit the same, even like kind of at wide receiver, right? Where you look at it and say, okay, well, you know, Henry, you know, so is it KJ Henry and Zion Reagans, They're ranked a little bit lower. Uh, KJ Daniels. KJ Daniels. Daniels. I'm sorry, KJ Daniels. Right? They're ranked a little bit lower. It's like, okay, but you know, for what Oklahoma does inside their scheme, you know, uh, it's they're with their speed, their ability to get vertical, their ability to win one on one and separate. It's just a better fit. And I think you see that. I think the portal has shown that a lot where you, you know, you'll get a receiver at insert school, 
not really doing much, not, not a great player, right? There's a kid, I heard Daniel Jeremiah say this. I think he was a transfer to, uh, God, I have to, I have to look this up. Uh, but some kid, some receiver transferred from Iowa. He was, dra- and he went to another Power Five school. He was drafted this past year. And, and Daniel Jeremiah made the joke and said that was probably one of the best transfers he's ever seen because here's a legit NFL wide receiver that's made a roster and playing for someone, and he was at Iowa and he caught four balls in like two years. You know, it's just bad fit, bad scheme. And so, you know, the other part of that is, and, and this came out, uh, they you know they ran all the numbers on the blue chip ratings and they showed okay, what schools have underperformed and overperformed their rankings the last decade or the last five years. I think it was like the last decade, right? So effectively 2013 through, you know, uh, 2023, Alabama, right on what you'd expect. Signed top classes, won at that rate. Well, funny enough, it was like Florida State, who's ranked in front of Oklahoma, Texas A&M, that's ranked in front of Oklahoma, and Florida, massively underperformed. They were signing these top classes, not in Texas, actually. So, uh, you know, funny, even though I think Sark's getting it right. Uh, yeah, they've, they've, they've made progress on that level. But yeah, but but, but, but from like 90, 2015 through to not 2000, you know, from Charlie Strong into Herman, they were just wasting top five classes left. And yeah. Right. And, it, and it was these those schools. It was like, hey, they're signing great classes, but it's not equaling the play doesn't equal on the field. And then there was Clemson. Here's the outlier. They were signing number eight on average class, but they're performing like a top three class. So it was just, hey, they're doing a better job of evaluating and they're doing a better job of uh, developing. And, you know, who was who was one of the guys, you know, leading that that front, that effort? You know, it was Brent, right? So, uh, yeah, I and the other part of it, Chris, and you and I know this, right? Like, you really, like, cutting hairs when you get to, you know, this player versus that player in this class versus that class when you're inside like the top 10, top five, you know? And so I, I wouldn't be, oh, it wouldn't be overly concerned. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as simple as OU isn't signing a five-star quarterback this class. You don't necessarily always get one year over year. Now, Georgia and Alabama seem to be, seem to be getting a couple of five stars back to back, but for generally speaking, that's a, that's a tough, recruiting pull, right? And Hawkins and Zerbrug just aren't ranked as high as Jackson Arnold. And it's almost yeah. as simple as it's almost as simple as that. That next year in twenty five, if Kevin Sperry goes to the Elite Eleven like we think he if he qualifies for Elite Eleven and stars at Elite Eleven like we think there's a good chance he might, that, you know, he's gonna jump in the top fifty and he'll be the you know, he'll be the quarterback, you know, leader of that class and and that will that'll help twenty five move into maybe being a top five class, but it's just as simple as that. It's just it's it's funny because there's there, there's like four or five guys that are just weirdly ranked, and I don't quite understand it. Number one is Eddie Pierre, who we've talked about. Number two is Eugene Brooks, who I think is a top two hundred, top one fifty, maybe offensive guard as well. Um, he just looks that good. He's just that he's that big. He's that athletic. He's he looks that good. And then the other guy is Jaden Jackson, who I think universally should be a top 150 type kid. So um, yeah. Jeremiah Newcomb, I think, is also criminally underranked. But I think those top three kids, those kids were ranked correctly um, across the board by all the services. Then, you know, I think it's, it is a top five class. I just think I don't understand how a player can be 150 in one service and like 700 in another when he's. <laughs> at IMG, he's 
a penetrating, attacking defensive lineman. He's 6'2", 300 pounds. What, what, what box is he not checking here, right? I mean, and again, we know he, we know he fits Brent's attacking nose guard role just perfectly, right? It's just the guys we saw in the Cotton Bowl, um, you know, two weeks ago, right? Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a bigger, bigger, more physical Jacob Lacey. I mean, yeah, that's a good, that's a good comp. I, I think, I, mean, that, I think you're, you're, you're dead on at the quarterback. You know, you look at from a, from a two, four, seven composite, right? The top eight quarterbacks are all top 100 and the top four are all five stars. And so, you know, if, you know, Oklahoma signed uh, Jackson Arnold last year, if, if Kevin Sperry is a top four, top five quarterback, he's going to be a top, a top 40, top 50 player in the country composite. And that, you know, potential five star that just pushes everything up and and, and just changes it so it, it really is yeah it's kind of from how the recruiting services put it together it it, it, it you kind of get dinged if you don't land a unless you're a m and, and you go out you know was it was, a, it was a, you know two years ago and you land like four or five five star defensive linemen yeah so it's it, again you know obviously you know i mean can i can i create a top five class for OU? yeah it's as simple as flipping Bryant Wesco or Williams Winery. That's all you need to do. You do that, yeah. you're in the top five, basically, from most of the services. That's all you need to do. But it's the it's this is the first year, you know, it really just, you know, I just thought I really thought, Caleb, that the rankings and some of these guys would balance out and just get in the you know, get going in the right direction. Like they did last year for PJ and Arnold and some of the guys, you know, and Sam Musigo and Lewis Carter, you know, just the guys that OU was recruiting. That you know, just obvious, you know, kind of star playmaker kind of guys, Makari Vickers. You know, they all kind of, you know, eventually all the services kind of moved and moved towards the mean, and and they were all, you know, right in the top one hundred kind of level. It's just, it's you know, again, sixty-one offensive guards better than any Pierre Louis. Okay, yeah. sure. I don't know where they are, and. I guarantee we won't see those 61 guys on offensive line rosters in college football in two years because they don't exist. They just don't exist. Yeah. So, you know, I think from an outsider perspective, and we've touched on it a little bit here, what feels different this year is, you know, years past, like last year's a good example, you know, guys like PJ, he just continually moved up. Right. right. They, they would do new rankings and there was a lot of chatter around it. Like, Hey, he's moving up. He's this, he's that he's having a great year. He was, a, he looks amazing. Uh, right now it feels like all of the services and it's, it's a business decision. I'm sure, I'm sure for them from a, a revenue generating content perspective, it seems like, Hey, re-ranking 24 class isn't actually getting the clicks that we want that's going to drive the dollars. Ranking the 26 and 27 classes, which is like, you know, you talked about the quarterback, oh, he's a top, whatever is like 26. And it was like, well, how many sophomores have they really watched, right? Uh, I think they've, they've, they've shifted a little bit. It's like, hey, we're not going to really focus on, you know, they, they'll do it maybe at the end of the year to some regards. It seems like the focus is more on and start ranking them further out to, to generate, uh, you know, content rather than trying to get this one guess one right because it, it doesn't seem like there's been it's just really odd some really odd rankings for things to be like like you said that far off on some kids it almost seems territorial is not quite the right word but it's almost oh, like yeah. it's almost like well if rivals is going to rank that guy that highly we're just going to not we're not we're not going to change our ranking 
Yeah. Oh, there's definitely some who's right rather than what is right that's going yeah, on. Yeah, like it's we're we're, not, we're you know we're you know well those those guys like that guy we're we're you know we're going to be different and make sure we don't do that. I will say the one name that has kind of grouped together more, and it was the guy. I got a oh, this is sort of a mea culpa moment. I really thought OU was kind of like missing the boat with Ivan Carrion, and obviously I was been wrong in that decision, and obviously watching big wide receiver play in Norman this fall tells me that Ivan carry on. He, he could be one of those guys we look back and like, wow, how is that guy only ranked number 200 in the nation? You know, um, with his just, his, with just what looks like what Emmett Jones will be able to mine out of his physical skills. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, uh, you know, we, here's an interesting one. We talk a little bit about, uh, you know, would you want to take two two tight ends in this class? And I think with Carrion's ability, is he's so big for him, his ability to play both inside and outside, and I think potentially be just a matchup problem is like what you would say a quote unquote flex tight end. If he's a, you know if he's six six two twenty five, you, you I think you yeah you, you just roll with what you've got because he looks he's a uh, his senior film is really good. It's you know it, it just he's more is. athletic than he's more athletic than I thought he was. I'm like. And he's separating from players more than he was before. I was like, okay, all right, yep, okay. Emmett Jones knows more about wide receivers than I do. That's <laughs> yeah. not exactly a not exactly you know an earth shattering bulletin, but it was like, okay, yep, all right, I see what he's doing now. Um, but I just think you know when you and then you factor in what he's doing with the big receivers in Norman right now, you're like, yeah, like maybe you know Jaron Bradley's still playing well for Tech and. And you know, everyone's like, oh, we need to get Jaron Bradley. And it's it's obvious that we, we didn't need to get Jaron Bradley. We have two Jaron Bradleys on our roster. And we just needed Emmett Jones to, to fix them. Yeah. He's it's you can't really argue with his uh what he's done with that entire room. Because I will say another thing that I think uh the the receiver room has, has been so much more physical blocking this year and just better in kind of every area than they were last year. It's it's uh I mean, it's probably the most improved group on the team. It might be. I mean, this is the th- I'm going to go super, you know, hyperbolic comment here. It might be one of the most improved groups in college football. I don't think. I do not think you're wrong. I do not think you're wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just been, gosh, you know, a year ago there were times like that West Virginia game, right? When Marvin Mims had the drop season, just it happened to him a lot, right? Where he would just kind of go into his shell when he would make a mistake. And it would seem like, you know, whatever it was, wasn't locked in or, or just some issues. There were some games where, hey, uh, after that happened, like we're just struggling to get anything going, right? They're able to kind of put their best corner on Farouk or maybe, you know, bracket up uh, Mims here and, and roll coverage to his side. Uh, and, and they've taken him out. And then it turns into nobody else <laughs> can do anything. It's uh, like the occasional, see if we can get Drake, Drake Stoops open, but we got no other, we got no other threats on the roster. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody can do anything. And even watching Farouk uh, year over year, his improvement, I'm like, Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, thanks everyone. I think we're going to call it a day. That's the, we mind that topic enough. Um, if you're more interested in the actual raw numbers on that, please subscribe to Sooners360.com and read my five thoughts and recruiting article for the week. I delve deeper into the math and all that. Um, 
some of the math is some of the math's easy, and then there's some math that isn't quite explainable. So we'll uh, leave you for the article to leave you to read the article to figure out what's going on there. Um, please subscribe if you've not subscribed to this podcast on your platform of choice. Caleb and I here every week talking about recruiting. Uh, next week, hopefully, we'll be talking about some more verbals and maybe some big names showing up Norman that we haven't quite anticipated for the UCF game. You can also uh, hear me talking about recruiting and OU football on Monday mornings with Barry Wise. We have our uh, OU space on Twitter talking about everything related to OU football. That's at 9.30 Central Time, Monday mornings. We're talking OU football for a good hour. So if you want a different, if you're on Twitter and you want to you know what spaces are and you want to get engaged a little bit, that's another engagement platform that you can find us and, and ask me questions. But if you really want to know what's conversation, curated good conversation, no trolling morons posting stuff about, I don't know, A&M or Texas can sign everybody. Join our website at Sooners360.com. You can post and chat with Caleb and I to your heart content about recruiting and OU football. Always got good, we've always got good opinions. I'm not sure we're going to the right answers. We've always got good opinions and you guys... to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.